Welcome to the Game Before the Money podcast, celebrating pro and college football history. This episode, celebrating the King, Hall of Famer Hugh McElhenney. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Game Before the Money podcast. I'm Jackson Michael, author of The Game Before the Money, Voices of the Men Who Built the NFL. It's an oral history featuring interviews of 40 football legends who played between the 1930s and the 1970s, including Bart Starr, Don Maynard, Carl Eller, Frank Gifford, and that book is available at Amazon.com. This episode, we're going to celebrate Hugh McElhenney, the man they called the King. McElhenney played 13 seasons in the NFL, starting in 1952 and ending in 1964. He is a member of the 1970 Pro Football Hall of Fame class. He's likely best known for his days as a halfback for the San Francisco 49ers in the 1950s, although he also played for the Minnesota Vikings the New York Giants, and the Detroit Lions. He was kind enough to answer several questions via email for the Game Before the Money podcast, and I'd like to thank Mr. McElhenney and his family for helping put everything together. Throughout this episode, I'll read some direct quotes from the King via that email exchange. Hugh McElhenney was born on New Year's Eve in 1928 in Los Angeles, California. He overcame a dangerous injury as a youth that almost ended his athletic career before it started. He told the story via email. Quote, I was 13 years old, running in a vacant lot and stepped on a milk bottle, cutting tendons in my left foot and wasn't expected to have full use of my foot. Unquote. I asked him how he first got involved with organized sports and particularly football. He said, quote, I ran track in high school. I didn't care much for baseball or basketball. The track coach had good sprinters, but no hurdlers. So I decided to go out for high and low hurdles and broad jump my sophomore year in high school. Then football season came up and I went out for football. From running track, I had that speed and balance. Hugh McElhenney excelled in track. He set California State High School records in the hurdles at George Washington High School in Los Angeles. He also won the state championship in the broad jump. The speed and balance that McElhenney learned from track became the trademark of his running style in football. McElhenney's talents were noticed by several NCAA schools. He's often spoke about the under-the-table benefits that he received. He first attended USC and was reportedly given a nice paying job to do some landscaping. He left the school after a few months after he still hadn't received the promised money. He then attended Compton Junior College and played football there. He garnered the attention of Los Angeles Rams coach Hamp Poole. And in an interview with Sports and Torts on YouTube, McElhenney said, that the Rams' Hampton Pool offered him a contract in 1949 while he was at Compton Junior College. He said that Pool negotiated with his father, but his father wanted young Hugh to stay in school. McElhenney instead attended the University of Washington 
He has since been open about the agreement. The Seattle Post-Intelligencer newspaper quoted him as saying he received regular checks each time signed by a different alumni member. He said that money he was offered was enough for him to get married and to take his wife with him to college. Bear in mind that Washington wasn't the only school doing this at the time. I read that he used to joke that he took a pay cut to turn pro, and I asked him about it. He said, this is true, but my wife worked full time. So the family's combined income was higher than his rookie contract. The real part of the story to pay attention to, however, is McElhenney's accomplishments on the field. He was a game breaker. We're going to talk about this a few times. He routinely made huge plays of 30 yards, 40 yards, even 70 yard touchdowns and 90 plus yard kick returns. His nickname in college was Hurrian Hugh McElhenney. In 1950, in the Washington-Washington State game, McElhenney scored on an 83-yard touchdown in the fourth quarter, one of five touchdowns he had on the day, as he piled up 296 yards. That's right, 296 yards rushing in one game and broke the Pacific Coast Conference's single-season yardage record. That conference now, of course, is the Pac-12. Those 296 yards are still the Washington single-game record 70 years later after the 2020 season. That 83-yard touchdown wasn't his longest touchdown run of the season, however. He had a 91-yard scamper against Kansas State that year. He also had touchdown receptions of 77 yards and 65 yards that year. He raked in 141 receiving yards in a game against Cal in 1951. So like I said, McElhenney was a game breaker. He was a playmaker, a very exciting player to watch who could swiftly turn the momentum of games with a big play. So here's one place in football history where Hugh McElhenney stands out. He was one of the first guys that could work both as a rushing and a receiving threat for big yardage. But that still wasn't all to McElhenney's game. He was a tremendous threat on special teams as well. In fact, his career all-purpose yards record at Washington wasn't broken until over 40 years later. And to this day, he still owns the career all-purpose yards per game record in Husky history. He still owns the school record for longest punt return for a 100-yard touchdown return against USC. And a fun fact about that punt return was the last man he beat on that play was Frank Gifford. McElhenney also once kicked nine extra points in a single game for the Huskies. NFL scouts took notice as the 1952 NFL draft approached. Hugh McElhenney remembered for us finding out how he was drafted. Quote, I was attending the U of W and received a phone call from the 49ers and was disappointed that the call wasn't from the Rams, my hometown team. I was the ninth draft choice in the first round in the 1952 draft. Now the Rams, they had the first overall pick in the draft. They selected Vanderbilt quarterback Billy Wade. McElhenney was one of four future Hall of Famers selected in that first round of the 1952 NFL Draft. 
he reportedly signed for $7,000. In the book, The Game Before the Money, Frank Gifford talked about his rookie contract. You also might have heard me speak about Frank Gifford's rookie contract on the American public radio program Marketplace. Gifford was selected two spots behind McElhenney in the 1952 NFL Draft and signed for $6,500. So that's two future Hall of Fame first-round draft picks that signed for less than $14,000 combined. For perspective, cornerback C.J. Henderson was the ninth overall pick in the 2020 NFL Draft, and he signed a contract that guaranteed $610,000 for his rookie year and reportedly has over $8 million in guaranteed money over four years. He also reportedly got a $12 million signing bonus. Frank Gifford told me that his signing bonus was $250. That's why the show and the book are called The Game Before the Money. So Hugh McElhenney shows up to training camp, and 49er quarterback Frankie Albert is already a fan. He had seen McElhenney play in the Hula Bowl. He helped convince 49er head coach Buck Shaw to draft McElhenney. Frankie Albert had a lot of sway with the team. In a preseason game against the Cardinals, he asked Shaw to put McElhenney in the game. Legend has it that coach Buck Shaw responded, well, he doesn't know any plays. And Frankie Albert responded, when has that stopped us? Albert did things the old-fashioned way. He drew up a play in the dirt right there on the spot. McElhenney took a pitch out 42 yards for a touchdown. And thus began Hugh McElhenney's pro career of making big yardage on spectacular plays. In week two of his rookie season, he rushed for 170 yards on only seven carries. He also had a 33-yard reception. In week four against the Bears, McElhenney gained 103 yards on only 12 carries, and he had a 94-yard punt return for a touchdown. That punt return stood as the longest in 49er history until John Taylor broke it with a 95-yard punt return in 1988, 36 years later. I asked McElhenney when he first remembered being called the king, and he said that Frankie Albert gave him that nickname during his rookie season. According to the San Francisco 49ers book, Where Have They Gone? by Matt Miako, it was after the Bears game that Albert handed McElhenney the game ball and told the team that Hugh was the king of the halfbacks. The 49ers stood as the NFL's only unbeaten team in 1952 after four games. They extended the streak to 5-0 the next week. Hugh gained 93 yards on only five carries. He scored two touchdowns, one rushing, and one receiving. And this brings us to two points about McElhenney's outstanding career. The first is that although the 49ers bolted out to a 5-0 start in a 12-game season, they didn't make the playoffs. In fact, they lost five of their next six games. When I asked McElhenney what he thought defined those San Francisco 49er teams of the 1950s, he replied, quote, The only way I can describe the 49ers of the 1950s 
is they seem to keep coming up short of the championships. The other point I'd like to make here is that you likely have noticed that the King gained a lot of yards, but only had a few carries. That's because of the great 49er backfields of the 1950s. They were called the Million Dollar Backfield. The backfield consisted of McElhenney, Joe Perry, John Henry Johnson, and Y.A. Tittle. All four are in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. McElhenney said in the book 49ers Looking Back that Y.A. Tittle used to joke about trying to keep everybody happy. As a result, McElhenney didn't carry the ball as much as if he were the sole workhorse for a team. There were only four games over his entire career that he carried the ball 20 times or more in a game. And in his first four seasons, he only carried the ball over 15 times or more in three games. Another angle to that is a lot of McElhenney's runs picked up quite a bit of yardage. So he would gain more in one carry the many running backs would gain in several. And in his rookie season, he scored 10 touchdowns, all except for two of those touchdowns were on plays that gained more than 15 yards. He averaged seven yards per carry his rookie season, the third highest single season total in NFL history at the time. And in his rookie season, he had both the NFL's longest rush and the longest punt return of the year. McElhenney was an all-time expert at using the entire field. He was famous for razor-sharp cuts and zigzagging through an entire defense. Johnny Unitas stood amazed at a Hugh McElhenney screen pass reception that he took for a 50-yard touchdown. Unitas said that McElhenney must have ran 150 yards on that particular play. Such playmaking led Sport Magazine to declare that McElhenney was the most exciting runner in the National Football League. I highly recommend that you check out some of his highlight reels online if you can. Many of his runs are truly incredible. McElhenney not only made huge plays, but he often made them at important times. Three teams ran a heated chase for the Western Division Championship with only two games remaining in the 1957 season. Two of those teams, the 49ers and the Colts, played that Sunday. San Francisco needed a win to stay in the hunt, but the Colts held a 13-10 lead late in the fourth quarter. The 49ers faced a third and 20 on their own 42 when McElhenney dodged two tacklers and picked up 43 yards with under two minutes left. Quarterback Y.A. Tittle suffered an injury two plays later, and rookie quarterback John Brody came off the bench in the final minute of the game. San Francisco had a third and nine at the Colts' 14-yard line. Brody walked into the huddle and said he was unsure of what play to call. Like a true Hall of Fame great, McElhenney wanted the ball at the end of the game. He told Brody to look for him in the end zone. Brody faced heavy pressure, but found a way to toss it to McElhenney, who made a leaping catch for the game-winning touchdown with mere seconds left in the game. The 49ers also won the next week and tied for the Western Division crown. They played the Detroit Lions in a playoff at San Francisco's Kizar Stadium to determine who would go to the 1957 NFL Championship game against the Browns. In the playoff game, McElhenney took a Y.A. Tittle pass 47 yards for a touchdown. 
He later darted for 71 yards early in the second half to bring the ball near the Lions' goal line. But the 49ers couldn't finish the job as a team. They fell 31-27 after a furious comeback by the Lions. You can hear much more about that game from Lions linebacker Roger Zatkoff in episode 22 of the Game Before the Money podcast. That 1957 Western Division playoff was the only playoff game Hugh McElhenney played in as a member of the San Francisco 49ers. As he stated earlier via email, the 49ers of the 1950s kept falling short of the championship game in a division dominated mostly by the Detroit Lions and the Los Angeles Rams through 1957. The late 50s belonged to the Baltimore Colts. The 49ers, despite all their talent, couldn't break into the title game. The Kings' final year in San Francisco was 1960. The team left him unprotected in the 1961 expansion draft, and the brand new Minnesota franchise scooped him up. McElhenney scored in the Vikings' first ever regular season game on a pass from rookie quarterback Fran Tarkenton. The Vikings upset the Chicago Bears that day, and you can hear more about that game, the first game in Vikings history, in episode 29 of the Game Before the Money podcast about great NFL season openers. In December of 1961, McElhenney made history by topping the career 10,000-yard mark in all-purpose yards. He was believed to be the first player ever to achieve that mark. Two weeks later, he scored the first ever punt return for a touchdown in Vikings history. There's a little trivia for you. An 81-yard score that stood as the franchise record until 1968. He ended the year with over 1,000 all-purpose yards and a spot in the Pro Bowl. He played one more season for the Vikings and was traded for two draft picks to the New York Giants before the 1963 NFL season. The trade reunited him with his 49er teammate, Y.A. Tittle. I asked McElhenney about the trade, and he replied, quote, As I understand, Y.A. was responsible for me joining the Giants, and I also became close friends with Frank Gifford. The Giant offense was similar to the 49er offense. At the time, Hugh McElhenney was in the top 10 of all-time rushing leaders in NFL history. He was 34 years old, entering his 12th season. He was still a productive all-purpose player who could run, catch, and return kickoffs and punts despite having off-season knee surgery. The 1963 Giants made the NFL championship game against the Chicago Bears. You can learn more about that game in episode 44 of the Game Before the Money podcast entitled Great Defensive Plays That Won Championships. Now, in that 1963 NFL championship game, McElhenney returned the second half kickoff 47 yards and put his team in an excellent position. But New York couldn't capitalize on the field position and turn the ball over. The Bears walked away with a 14-10 victory in the only NFL championship game that the king of the halfbacks got to play in. Giants head coach Ali Sherman told the New York Times that he saw flashes of McElhenney's former brilliance in 1963 and hoped that Hugh could return to his former greatness 
to propel the 1964 New York Giants. During training camp, however, Sherman chose to go with mostly younger players. He released the King and several other veterans. McElhenney signed with the Detroit Lions about a week before the 1964 NFL season. He was 35 years old and at the tail end of his career. He retired from pro football after the 1964 season and was elected into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 1970, his first year of eligibility. He said via email that he learned of his induction via a phone call from the Hall of Fame. Let's put into perspective for a moment and catch a glimpse of how great and how respected Hugh the King McElhenney was to be inducted in 1970, his first year of eligibility. 1970 was only the eighth induction ceremony of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Now, during that time, Pulitzer Prize-winning sports writer Arthur Daly said that the Pro Football Hall of Fame was by far more difficult to get into than the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown. And yet, McElhenney was so revered that he made it in his first year of eligibility in the Hall's youngest days. And again, only four guys were in that 1970 class. The King, Tom Fears, Jack Christensen, and Pete Pios. That was it. And the Hall of Fame had less than 60 members going into that ceremony. That's how great the King was. He was one of the first 60 members of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and he was elected in his first year of eligibility. In January of 1985, the King met up with the President via satellite. McElhenney received a letter from NFL Commissioner Pete Rozelle asking if McElhenney would participate in the coin toss for Super Bowl XIX held at Stanford Stadium. Later, the NFL confirmed that President Ronald Reagan would toss the coin from the White House through a live feed via satellite. Hugh McElhenney stepped out to midfield wearing his Hall of Fame blazer. Dolphins captain Dwight Stevenson, himself a Hall of Famer now, called heads and the King told the President the call. President Reagan flipped the coin, which would end up to be tails, the 49ers elected to receive and later earned a convincing victory over the Dolphins. McElhenney said in his email that it was quite an honor to be chosen to participate in that coin toss. Hugh McElhenney, now 92 years young, has collected a lifetime of honors. And over 50 years after his induction into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, he remains the king of the halfbacks. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Game Before the Money podcast. And again, special thanks to Hugh McElhenney and his family for making the interview possible. Upcoming episodes of the Game Before the Money podcast will include interviews with AFL legend Lionel Taylor and also Bob Stein of the Super Bowl IV champion Kansas City Chiefs. Please subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss an episode. You can also listen online at thegamebeforethemoney.com. 
transcriptions of podcasts are also available at thegamebeforethemoney.com and are powered by our transcription partner, Sonics. That's S-O-N-I-X. Visit sonics.ai to learn more about their automated transcription services. Thank you.